Ho, ho, hello, as they say. Welcome to the Christmas finale. You probably haven't listened. It's probably February now because why would you? You're spending time with your family and all that. But I've got one more bit of beef before we go into the new season. And I'm so excited. I care about this more than microwaves. I care about this more than the fact that people go to Madame Tussauds. Okay. People, (laughs) keeping on the Christmas theme, people that think Star Wars The Phantom Menace is shit. You're wrong. You're an idiot. Here is why, for as long as I can think of things to say. So stupid. This, 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 I un- the, understand the pull, and I've done it as well, where you just feel that the original... I remember thinking, there's no way there's going to be... Pokemon's going to be fun to battle anymore when they come up with new Pokemon. They're stupid. And you're right, some of the designs are stupid. But you know what? The, the battle meta and the universe they've made is very tactical and interesting and fun. Okay, and I was wrong. And you can be wrong about loads of things, and a lot of people are wrong about The Phantom Menace. It's an absolutely fantastic film. It's so fun. Just because you were an adult when the, the new one came out, it was it's part of the episodes. It, it was part of it. It's meant to be there. If you're saying it's not, it, it's not good, it's not there, then you're saying that it shouldn't, like, the story shouldn't be there. You can't just, it was planned, it was part of it. It's, it's meant to be part of the storyline. Like, you can't have the Fellowship of the... You, you can't have Return of the King if you don't have the Fellowship of the Ring. You dummy. It's absolutely fantastic. So, but let's break this down. Firstly, the, the progression of the progression of Obi-Wan. I really like Ewan McGregor as an Obi-Wan, to be honest. Um, some people can find me a bit passive, but then Obi-Wan in the original films is, is quite passive. But one of the things about Obi-Wan in, in the early films that you kind of realise is that he's... He's kind of, as well as being one of the last Jedi, he's kind of he's kind of an outcast, and he looks like he's seen some things and done some stuff. And you kind of need an explanation for how that happened. What how's his relation to um, Darth Vader uh, manifest, and how is he so delinked from the current government and the current order regime? And it's it's just all that origin. I love origin stories. It's 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 so fun. Immediately they start off with Obi-Wan is a trainee. He's with Qui-Gon Jinn and they've gone to negotiate with the Trade Federation. It's such a good opening section. And uh, droidicas. Droidicas are so fucking cool. With their shields, they repel them back, but then they're so static once they're set up that you can easily take them down. You can see how they're a benefit and a disbenefit. You couldn't just have an army of droidicas, but at the same time, they work really well in certain pinch situations. Anyway, back to Obi Wan. You can see, you can see he's 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 a live wire, and he's got he's got talent, and then he's got Qui Gon. That's actually re- the real rebel. He decides he wants to train Anakin against against the um uh, the Order's wish- wishes. It's it's fantastic. It's so good. And Qui Gon Jinn played by Liam Neeson, unbelievable. And he's I I love the way they. Fi- oh, we'll get back. We'll get back to the way they fight. But it's it's such a good explanation for the rise of power for the empire of of uh, Senator Palpatine. It's it's a there are some origins and there are some explanations that we'll get onto in a minute that people think aren't good about Star Wars. Like they've kind of ruined it when they talk about how they get the Force and how that's measurable scientifically within the universe. But there's so many backstories that are so well done. I think Obi Wan's story over the course of those three episodes does explain the position he's left in in the late in the original but later in the timeline of the universe itself it, it 
it's uh, it's it's really really good. He's he's kind of alive where he never quite finishes his training, but then he's, he thinks he's ready to pass the exams. But then Qui Gon Jinn dies, and then he had, takes over Qui Gon Jinn's le- legacy because he's kind of sees him as a father figure because that's one of maybe the failings and also strengths of Jedi's is they don't ha- they don't have direct bonds with family. It's what makes Darth Vader so different. We'll come back to that. But and the, but the explanation of the 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 Empire and the Republic itself. You have this. You have a trade federation that's being that's kind of being run behind the scenes by like people inside the Senate, and they use it to overthrow. They use it to overthrow Chancellor Valorum. They like, and it's all arranged by Senator Palpatine, so it makes it think that everyone else has made the decision to vote him in charge, so he won't be suspected until he starts enacting his evil deeds more publicly. I think it's fantastic how he gets how Senator Palpatine plays and gets in there. Um, how Darth Sidious kind of comes to to power and manipulates so many millions of lives, um, and just the course of the story—it's absolutely, it's, it's fantastic the way he links in um, little things. Kira Knightley plays the double of Queen Amidala, so she's not even the main. Natalie Portman's Queen Amidala, and then there's someone whose men are kind of look different in all the makeup in her place, and then she reveals herself later in the. Later in the film, that Queen, that the real Queen Amidala has been Padme fighting alongside and getting to know Anakin and people like that in the battle. And actually, Queen Amidala is the stump level, played by Kira Knightley. She's playing like a, a lesser role. It's fantastic. See her in the credits. That's it. It's great. It's great fun. It's great fun. But yeah, the, the, I, I just think the way I think the way that they start the form, the, the reformation of what is. A collection of of powers of like regions like forming a government and the way the senator Palpatine manipulates it and gets himself to be in charge and they kind of vote themselves out of power and in history you know the storyline's really good because so many storylines to books and films and also things in history there's there's um historically the uh, italy used to be made up of lots of city states and they literally they got blind faith in a very kind of um populist leader um, in the 1800s and they kind of voted themselves out of power out of freedoms because they thought this guy was driving them forward and before they knew it they're kind of locked in without um, without the voting freedoms and individual rights of their regions that they once had um, similar to what you know Trump and there's a few other leaders that are rising to power anyway so it's, it's a very good storyline it's very believable um, people people have people have a go at they say uh, that it's but the, one of the one of the main things is Jar Jar Binks, isn't it? People say Jar Jar Binks. It's horrible CGI. It's he's a horrible character. I I understand. I I get that the non CGI, the realism, the actual costumes and makeup of Star Wars is one of the things that makes it absolutely brilliant as a franchise. I agree with that. But there are you know, Jabba the Hutt is a giant slug thing. Come on, it's it, don't you think it's a bit weird? You start, can you not? Do you not kind of? Make yourself laugh when you're trying to explain how Jar Jar Binks is an awful character when you've got the kind of weird-looking things that have so much power in the Star Wars universe, and you have and you think they're fantastic. You like them because they were brought in earlier. If Jar Jar Binks was like not CGI and was brought in earlier in the series, you'd probably like him. They get they let him talk too much, and he is a failing. I don't think he's a I don't think he's a good thing about the movie. But I don't see it's like eating the best cake in the world. But like some of the icing is a bit poorly done. When you look at the cakes, you're like, "Oh, well, that cake's shit." No, it's not. It's just a bit. The icing's not perfect. Jar Jar Binks is icing. 
he's not that integral to the story. I mean, he takes out an AAT tank with a accidentally. That's that's a bit funny, but I don't know. I think it's brilliant. I think I think the battle between Naboo and the Trade Federation when it first sets up with the dome shield held by those dinosaurs, that kind of there's also something quite. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about the other new creatures and vehicles that were brought into um, the Phantom brought into the Star Wars universe through the Phantom Menace. The droids in general, like the stock uh, infantry droids that the Trade Federation have, are perfect. The way they set up in unison, the way they come out of the tanks in little kind of packets and then uncouple, and they look so kind of frail, but they're made put they're made just for doing the sole purpose of kind of being. A presence with a gun, you know, a, a, to, to to mark authority. But they look kind of budget. They look kind of mass produced. They're everything that the Trade Federation is meant to be in the movie. They don't look like they're going to conquer in the same way that the the clones do for the Republic that becomes the Empire. Do you know what I mean? I just I think they work perfectly. I, I think they look so good and. All the tanks that the Trade Federation have, they're all kind of they're in keeping with the design of those droids and the droidicas as well. But you can see how those designs would evolve and adapt and get kind of more sophisticated by the time of um, Episode Four in in Star Wars or some the later episodes, you know, two and three, when the, the Republic forms. You can see how that technology has been retained because it would have been because the Trade Federation being manipulated by. Um, Palpatine as well, so they would, you know, they would have those resources, they would have those, those bases where the way they created all that stuff, and I, I, I think, yeah, and, I mean, the the tanks and droids in general are, are fantastic. The, the droid starfighter I think is great with those four prongs and the way the way it stands when it lands on those prongs and then gets up and it looks so manoeuvrable. The 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 N one starfighter that Naboo have, the one that Anakin gets into. They've got that lovely, um, they've got that lovely sheen to them. They look so streamlined. They almost look like a Formula One car of space. I think they're fantastic. They look, they really do look like a class starfighter. And again, that kind of balance between they look very good and sophisticated for what they are, but ultimately they don't have the, the weaponry or overall capabilities of some of the ships you see later that that, that maybe the the rebels have in in the later films. They're amazing. Pod races. I think the pod races are fantastic. I think the whole Tatooine and 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 Anakin. I, I I enjoyed. I don't think I don't think he's that annoying for a little kid. I think it's very hard to have a little kid that's not annoying in a film. To be honest, um, and I I I love the pod races, and I love the way that you know how is he the only human? You're the only human that could do it, Annie. <laughs> it's it's lovely and. I love the race. I went to see the extended edition of it once where they had the full pod race. I loved it. I love racing. I could honestly just watch pod racing like I watch Formula One. I thought I thought it was great and the, the range and design of all those vehicles. And I don't know, you, you, you have Quidditch as kind of a side thing in Harry Potter and everyone accepts that even though as we've talked about, a lot of the rules of it are flawed. And yet... You, it, pod races i don't think they i don't think it gets as as much love and acceptance but it's so good and some of the pod racing games that came out of the franchise from it are really some of the best star wars games they really are i just think it's just a really fun thing i don't think they've run with it enough to be honest you get a lot out of it um I, I, yeah I, I think they're i think they're absolutely fantastic um 
I also love that. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've touched on this. I've been touching on this a few times, but I, I think the technology in uh, shown in Naboo, uh, and, and then the Gungan, you know, Jar Jar Binks's uh, kind, and then the trade federations, and then the main republics and things like that. They've all got that kind of it they've all got that technological thing which i love it's one of my favorite things about star wars but it's also ridiculous how like the empire have the pinnacle of technology do you know what i mean and it looks cool and it looks advanced and expensive and bulky and like it's made out of good materials and then you have this thing where the rebels have everything that the empire does bar the death star <laughs> equivalent and yet they've got no money. You don't know where they're getting their technology and materials, but they can do the exact same thing. They can fire a laser, but it's usually a different colour and it comes from a... It kind of looks... Um, it still manages to look like it's. they got it from a... <laughs> they got it from like a junk shop or something, you know? It's like it's... It's like it's lesser technology, but it gets the same result and it means that they can have balanced battles that are believable within the context when it, it doesn't actually make sense. And I, I, I love the range of style of technology that does the same purpose in in uh, in The Phantom Menace because the Gungans have these kind of like bounceable kind of jelly-like shields that kind of fit in with that kind of underwater world. Um, and they have spears, but then the spears have got electrical lasers on it. I just, I love that kind of stuff. You know, a lightsaber is is not, in some ways, isn't a really efficient use of the stones that form them. In a way, it's 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 a sword, but then you've just made it a laser. I just, I love that kind of <laughs> technological, hyper advanced, inefficient weapon and shielding type things. You know, the dinosaur with a giant shield projector on its back that they use to battle the trade federation in 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 the finale of the film it's it's fantastic i i think it's i think it's so good um i think and and then so there's 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 three more things well kind of two more things but there's something that people forget about the phantom menace that if you looked at it isolated would make the phantom menace the best star wars film um and what are two? What is what is the most important aspect, really, the most iconic aspect of Star Wars that a little kid would impersonate? Okay, it's a Jedi, it's a Sith Lord, it's the lightsaber battles, it's the wielding of a lightsaber. That's the thing that really distinguishes, along with the Force, one of the main premise of the the pivotal characters within the universe of Star Wars. The lightsaber battles in the Phantom Menace are, without a doubt the best quality lightsaber battles, the best duels between Jedi and Sith in the entire franchise. That is just a fact. It is just a fact. It's that, and, and, and you know why? It's because if you watch it again, go and watch it again. Please, everyone, go and watch. Spend your New Year's hangover watching The Phantom Menace because the way that they battle, particularly in the Duel of the Fates, which we'll talk more about in a minute, between Darth Maul, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, is they, it's like a dance. It's so flowing. It's so well choreographed. And when you think about all the really historic sports, when you think about, um, I don't know, fencing or taekwondo, karate, things like that, there's, there's a beauty in it, isn't there? Because there's, it's, not just, it's not just a win at all costs. It, there's a performance about it. It looks like it's been passed down heritage upon heritage. 
you know it has to be taught each time and passed on by a specific person and it's also got this thing where i feel like your emotions and your it's like going to it's like going to the opera or the ballet where you can see their emotions are coming through the the fluidity of their strokes and the sharpness of the angles they create it's the difference between when Obi-Wan uh, is battling with Qui-Gon earlier in the uh, film to when he watches Qui-Gon Jinn get stabbed by Darth Maul and he fights with ferocity and then he gets wrong-footed because you should be it should be flowing and you're looking for a weak spot and you're looking almost for the other person to make a mistake like when you play badminton or tennis at a high level it's gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous and i'm i'm sorry but the the original fights between darth vader and um uh, and luke they they're not good quality as battles they're pivotal i see their importance and i enjoy watching them but it's not good quality they're just tapping the lightsabers about each other it's one of the things that's actually improved with the later years. I do quite like some of the fights in um, some of the even more recently released films, but they they usually are made epic because they focus too much on the scenery. You know, they're on a melting ship on a thing of lava or they're fighting against the ocean or something. But but the battle in Jewel of the Fates is just, is just perfect. It's just absolutely perfect. The result of it, the way it comes about, the kind of respect they have for it and the way Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and Darth Maul in turn deal with the part where they can't fight because there's kind of a laser door separated. And it's oh, it's it's so fantastic. Um, people just, yeah, the lightsaber battles are the best in that film. And that alone is enough to make people, they must shut up, please shut up about The Phantom Menace being bad because it provides you such an important... Um, it's, it's, so, it's so pivotal. And also, Jewel, Hello, Jewel of the Fates is the most important moment of the entire franchise. The Jewel of the Fates. It's, it's the battle for the future of Anakin Skywalker. It sets it on course for the rest of the series. It's phenomenal. And it does it justice. We knew it was coming. We knew there was going to be a prequel. We knew there was going to be a telling of how Obi-Wan came to be, of how Darth Vader came to be. And I think they set it off brilliantly. And the music, the music for Jewel of the Fates, it's, it's the best music in, in Star Wars. Oh, my God. So good. It's absolutely unbelievable. I can't believe this is, this is just taking so long. But it's, it's fantastic. The final thing, the final thing about Star Wars that people miss, they get hung up on the midichlorians, the minichlorians, whatever. They get hung up on that aspect of uh, of this Star Wars film. But there's something so much better about the... Uh, there's, so, there's, there's a much better telling about how Jedi and Sith came to be, which I think people overlook in the first movie. It's Yoda explaining why Anakin shouldn't be uh, made a Jedi, trained as a Jedi. All Jedi are taken away from their parents at a very young age. I think it's like two or something. And the reason is they don't want a, bo- a bond to form between them and their parents because it gives them something to lose and it gives them the chance to learn things like um, vindictive behaviours, uh, vengefulness, you know, things that aren't morally just and true and, and light in the eyes of Jedi. And it's why Anakin becomes corrupted and turns it's the light it's when he says what is the um 
uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, uh, hate leads to vengeance, something leads to suffering, basically leads to suffering. And and the point and, and there's a there's actually a psych psychological uh, there's evidence in psychology to prove this theory. Okay, so the idea of Jedi's is based on something called maternal deprivation versus privation. Privation is when you're taken away from your uh, parent figures, it's particularly your mother, from an early age and shut out from them, and it changes your development. And behaviors, and you get it in certain in certain horrible countries and regimes where they have institutionalization, etc., etc. Maternal deprivation is when you form the bond early with your parents, but then once it's formed, you're then taken away and never allowed to come back during the rest of your development as a child. So let's say from the age of three, typically, um, because that's when psychologists reckon between zero and three is when that bond is forming at its strongest rate. Psychologists have found that people that are separated from their parents are maternally deprived, so they're given that maternal bond, then it's taken away. They found that it's much harder to fully recover psychologically uh, uh, to be a well-functioning adult um, when you do that versus privation, which is when you're taken away from ever forming that maternal bond because you're, you're taken away too early. And they found that you can become well-functioning and it is easy to recover from the negative effects of not having that upbringing. And that's exactly the premise for why there's Jedi and then there's and then there's Sith. That's how Jedi work. That's why they're taken away at that young age. There's actually a psychological reason for it in real life. And they play it perfectly with Anakin and they set it in motion so well. And uh, people get hung up on Hayden Christensen and all that, but... His kind of floppy, frankly ridiculous acting is kind of in keeping with a lost child that has that maternal bond, but it's been taken away, and the the vulnerabilities that brings, and it, it's, it's moving, it's fantastic. Okay, so let's Phantom Menace is good. Let's start the new year with that premise. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you.